Hey, you're listening to Clumsy Theosis. This is the Catholic podcast where you will discover spunk and motivation to live a vibrant and transformational life as a child of God. I'm Rochelle Lucero, and I invite you to walk with me as we dive into all the things that Jesus gave us to do just that. I'm talking about the Bible, Catholic tradition, church documents, the catechism, the saints, the fathers, the doctors of the church, you name it, and I'll draw from it. You and I together, we are going to transform the world by letting Christ transform us. Hey, what's up? Thanks for joining me today. As you heard, my name is Rochelle Lucero, and you are listening to the Clumsy Theosis Podcast, and you are in for a treat today. I'm really pumped about this topic. As of right now, the working title for today's episode is You Have Something Worth Stealing. Now, I might feel called, compelled, something to change it between now and the time it airs, but let's just start from there. You have something worth stealing. And in the Catholic context of this show, it's easy for your mind to jump to things like gifts or talents or virtues. Because these are the things that we spend our time, dedication, and our love growing and cultivating, right? These are things that are of value and of worth to us in the Christian journey and would therefore be of interest to a thief in this context. But there's something that you have that is bigger, badder, and even scarier to the enemy than your gifts, your talents, and your virtues, and that is you living, breathing, eating, sleeping as a person who has accepted their supernatural inheritance, right? Everything that you do and everything that you touch, you are operating from that place of authority from your inheritance. Should I say that again? I think I should say that again. This warrants another hearing. You, as a person, doing all the things a person does, you know, just living and breathing and eating and sleeping, Everything you do and everything that you touch, you do this as a person who has accepted their supernatural inheritance and you're operating from that place of authority. In John 10.10, Christ says, the thief does not come except to steal, kill, and to destroy. Now, this comes from the lesson about Jesus being the good shepherd, by the way. Jesus continues by contrasting himself from the thief. So. He continues to proclaim that I, on the other hand, have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. So out of curiosity, who is the thief? At first glance, we might want to say the thief is the devil, Satan, you know, the enemy of enemies. And for that, I'll say yes and no. And it's important for us to pay attention to this for today's topic. And I do want to be exegetically accurate. I don't want to lead you astray. So here's why we would say, no, it's not the devil. It's not Satan. In the literal sense of scripture, you have to look at this verse in context. And when you do that, you see the situation Jesus is in. And in John 10, 10, it's clear that he's talking about those who, and I quote, who were self-appointed to an honor not given to them from above, the wretched Pharisees. Now, these are the words of St. Cyril of Alexandria, because it's clear that Jesus has had an altercation with the Pharisees in chapter 9 of John's gospel, and this is just a continuation of that. However, this is what's important for today's topic. The Pharisees brought about a spirit of division and a spirit of discord, 
right? And these spirits are from the devil. They're from Satan because that's what he does. He likes to be divisive. He likes to bring discord. He likes to remove the love of God from places by inserting spirits like this. Okay, so yes, from an anagogical sense of scripture, meaning that when we view the events that we're reading in terms of their eternal significance, yes, you can say that the thief can be viewed as the devil or as Satan. So we're going to say yes for this reason for today's purpose, and it is okay. Because the thief has one purpose, which is to steal, right? He wants to steal you from the flock by taking away your time. He wants to occupy your time. He wants to occupy your thoughts. He wants to take away your attention, right? Even if you're doing spiritual things, good things, he wants to steal your attention away from them. He wants to kill you, but not naturally kill you because that's boring, right? You have an eternal life and that is of far more interest to the thief, right? So he'll try to take you by cutting you off from your relationship with the Holy Spirit of God, by cutting you off from the source of life, keeping you from the sacrament, keeping you from God's mercy. And the thief wants to destroy. He wants to destroy you, who you are, your identity. Okay, but the last, last time I checked, If you are a baptized Christian, you are a child of God. That is your identity. And let me tell you something. The last thing that the enemy wants is for you to act like it. He does not want you to act like a child of God. And why is that? Well, in the infamous on-screen words of Luna Lovegood, I think this is maybe from the fifth movie. He says, if I were you-know-who... I'd want you to feel cut off from everyone else because if it's just you alone, you're not as much of a threat. And that's exactly it. You are such a threat. You are a major threat to the enemy. And so he will do all that he can to keep you from believing that you have an all-powerful father in heaven who has given you a supernatural inheritance that you can actually start cashing in today, right now. And that from that supernatural inheritance, you have an authority to use it, to draw from it, and to share it now with yourself, with your immediate surroundings, with the world at large. And he can't compete with you when you are walking in the truth of your identity. When you are acting as a child of God, he has absolutely nothing on you. And that is terrifying. And that's why he wants to steal, to kill, and to destroy Let me illustrate this for you with a little story time. Okay, let's say that there's a lion cub who has a dad who is a king, and the cub will one day become king, and in doing so, he'll become like his father. He will embody his father, everything that his father is and does, right? All of the power, all of the authority, everything. But the cub also has an evil uncle who doesn't want the cub to grow into this role and to step into his inheritance and his authority and all that comes with it. And so the evil uncle arranges for the king to be killed and then manipulates the cub into believing that his father's death is his own fault. He encourages the cub to run away, to cut himself off from his family, and to forget his identity. And the cub does all of this, and eventually he befriends a warthog and a meerkat. Okay, this is obviously the plot of The Lion King. And yes, I am not ashamed to admit that a few weekends ago, while my husband was out watching a boxing match with his father, I was at home alone watching The Lion King. These are my life choices, and I stand by them. 
But I bring this up because there is a scene that I had never noticed before because when was the last time I watched The Lion King? 20 years ago or something? There was a scene later on in the film that I am like 100% sure this is why I was watching the movie. This is what the Lord wanted me to see. And this is about to be full of a lot of spoilers, but you should have seen The Lion King by now. And if you have not, I do not feel bad about this at all. Okay, this is the remember who you are scene. So let me let me set it up for you. If you don't remember, refresh, refresh your memory. Now, if you have small children, you probably have seen this a million times and please bear with me. Okay, so Simba, the lion cub, he's grown up and he's now confronted with his past when his childhood friend Nala finds him. And then he starts to have a bit of an existential crisis when he's alone at night, out on the prairie under the stars. And then Rafiki the monkey shows up and in their conversation mentions Simba's father, to which Simba is super excited and he asks, wait, you knew my father? And Rafiki says, correction, I know your father. Yes, I'm horrible at accents, but we're moving on. They bring me joy. Now, this is powerful. That moment is powerful because it sets up what's about to happen next. So Rafiki takes Simba to go see his father. He tells him to look down into, I don't know, some ravine, some something. He tells him to look down. But when Simba looks down, all he sees is his reflection in a pool of water and is super disappointed. But Rafiki touches this pool of water and prompts Simba to look in again. And then we see Simba's reflection kind of shimmer, and then it transforms into the likeness of his father, revealing, right, this is it, he's revealing that Simba is Simba. Yes, he is himself, but he is also his father. He is also the king. His identity has been with him. This royal identity has been with him all along, but he is only seeing it now. And with his identity comes all of the authority, all of the power, all of the everything that makes him king. But why is he only seeing it now? What happened? Remember his uncle? His uncle, just like the thief, stole all of those years. He stole all of that time from Simba by manipulating him into running and hiding and feeling shame and not feeling good enough. He also cut him off from the life of the pride, killing his connection with who he is, killing his connection with his inheritance, and cutting him off from the opportunity of finding redemption. And all for what? Because his uncle wanted to destroy his identity as king. His uncle was jealous. He was envious. He did not want him to step into his inheritance. And so he did everything that he could to keep Simba from his, from his inheritance and from owning and operating from his authority that comes with his inheritance as king. And I might add that by the end of the movie, we see that Simba is now walking in the authority of his inheritance. Now he's, you can see him overlooking Pride Rock and all of the Pride Lands, and now all of a sudden everything is flourishing. He has brought back an abundance of life because he's walking in his inheritance and the authority of that. But really quickly, let's go back to that, that moment when Simba sees his reflection and he sees that, that he has this kingly identity. It ends with his father appearing in the sky and he leaves him with a few words to reflect on. First, he says that you have forgotten me, 
your father because you have forgotten who you are. And I think that's very poignant for us to think about. Like, yes, we we say that we're we're Christians, we say that we follow follow Jesus, we say that we are children of God, but do we act like children of God? Do we act in a way that shows that we're operating from the place of authority of our supernatural inheritance? I know for myself, a lot of times I'm not. And when I'm not, I have forgotten who I am and therefore I've forgotten who my father is and I'm not giving him all due honor, glory, and praise in those moments. Also, right before his father and before his father departs in the clouds in some mystical way, he says, remember who you are. And of course, when this happens, I'm watching this movie and I get full on goosebumps and I was like 100% yes, 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 yes. Like instantaneously, it was like a, like a supernatural download that I knew, like it was just like a trigger. Like, yes, I am the daughter of a king. I have a royal inheritance. I have the authority to exercise the reach and the scope of my identity as such, which I know comes from my generous father and is therefore pretty much limitless, right? Therefore, I know that I'm operating out of a place of abundance. And if we remember what Jesus said in the last part of John 10, 10, when he's contrasting himself from the thief, he says, I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Anyway, so while I watched this, while I got these goosebumps, I thought to myself, oh my gosh, I have to share this. So you can consider this the Catholic podcast equivalent of one of those locker room pep talks that we see so often in movies and shows. And I must admit, I really, really do enjoy (laughs) those moments in the movies. And I have to say, I am let down if the speech is kind of a dud, right? I'm expected to be pumped by the time that locker room speech is over. So I'm hoping you are pumped right now. I do have a number of suggestions for you to keep the thief at bay in your life so you can walk in the power and the authority of your identity as a child of God. However, you're going to have to wait until next week for that because I don't want this episode to go on too long and I really want to flesh out these suggestions. There are things that you can kind of subtract from your lifestyle and things that you can add to your lifestyle. It's uh, what I like to call holy math, some holy addition and subtraction. And they are just suggestions, but I want to be really thorough with them. So you'll get those. That will be the next episode. And I'm thinking of titling it, How to Keep the Thief at Bay. We shall see. Until our next episode, I would really like to invite you to head over to my Instagram account, at Clumsy Theosis. I've just started doing my content differently. Now it's more teachable content. So I figured if you're coming to this show because you want to learn things, you want to be inspired and you want to be able to grow in your Catholic faith and in your identity as a child of God in between episodes on Instagram, I've been creating more teachable content over there. So head over there, follow if you're not already following. And then if you could start liking the post so that Instagram knows that you want to see more posts from me in the future. That would be really helpful. And it would help me also know that this content is working for you and you actually are getting quality from it. All right, until our next episode, walk in your identity and the authority that you have as a child of God. Peace out. Welcome to the end of the podcast. Since you made it this far, you know what that means, right? We're like totally best friends now. 
But for real though, thanks so much for spending time with me and growing in your faith knowledge and letting Christ transform you. Since you stayed this long, I'm thinking that you liked the episode. So will you do me a favor and share it with a friend or all of your friends on social media? While you're online, I invite you to check out my website, clumsytheosis.net. There you're going to find all of the things that you need, such as how to get in touch with me, how to book me as a speaker, how to find my social channels, how to sign up for our weekly email, and very importantly, this is very important, how to donate if you'd like to support the show. This show is listened to in approximately 90 countries across the globe. So if you find value in this show, please consider donating at clumsytheosis.net. Anything that you give is very much appreciated and it is super helpful. All right. Thanks again for walking with me today. Remember that we can transform the world by letting Christ transform us.